Before you have a seat, grab your Bibles. As you grab your Bibles and turn to Joshua chapter 1, we're going to stand and read uh, God's Word. I want to give you a, a, just a heads up. In, Je- in Deuteronomy chapter 34, uh, which we talked about Deuteronomy 30. Did I just go off? Hello, hello, there we go. All right, we're talking about this idea of getting unstuck, right? And I want you to think about this. So the people of Israel are getting ready to enter in to the promised land. God's wanting to take them there, you know, um, keep in mind of, of what's going on. Moses is getting ready to die. And I told you Deuteronomy is all about Moses. It's like magnum opus. It's like his last hurrah. It's his letter to the people as he encourages them to follow through with what they're doing. And it says in Deuteronomy 34, it says this to Moses. He says, I will give... I will give it to your descendants. I have let you see with your eyes. So the Lord took Moses to the top of the hill. He's looking over the promised land. I will let, it, let you see it with your eyes, but you will not cross over into it. But then in verse 9, it says, Now Joshua, son of Nun, was filled with the spirit of wisdom because Moses had laid his hands on him. So the Israelites listened to him and did what the Lord had commanded Moses. But since then, no prophet has risen in Israel like Moses whom the Lord knew face to face. Now, there's a lot we could go there and unpack, but if you have your Bibles, turn to Joshua chapter 1, because this is the beginning of where we're going to look at today. Joshua chapter 1, starting in verse 1, says this, After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aid, Moses, my servant is dead. Now then, you and all these people, get ready. Say, get ready. Get ready, get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I am about to give them. To the Israelites, I will give you every place where, you're, where you set your foot as I promised Moses. Your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon and from the great river, the Euphrates, all the Hittite country to the great sea on the west. No one will be able to stand up against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you and I will never leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and courageous. Keep in mind, this is, he's, he's given this word to Joshua but he, because you will lead. He's telling Joshua, you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their forefathers to give them. He says it again, be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all of the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from the right or to the left that you may be successful wherever you go. Do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Let's pray. Father, we pray today that much would be made of you and your son. God, we thank you for the promises of what we can face and what we can walk through, through your power. God, will you give us the power and the courage to move forward with great courage and with great expectation, knowing that you have called us to greater things. You have called us to walk with power and authority in your spirit, with your power and with your authority because of your spirit. And so, Lord, may we be people who walk with courage daily, moving forward even as we face obstacles and difficulties in front. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You're going to have a seat. So last week we started our Unstuck series uh, talking about moving into maturity. 
Now, everybody wants somebody who's mature, right? Like, we, we always kind of joke about it, you know, and I, I, I can throw this out there because my wife always says this, right? But she always tells everybody she has four kids, right? She has Ethan, Brooklyn, Peyton, and then me, okay? Because I like, I'm a kid at heart at times. I mean, I'm 47 years old. I'm still playing softball, um, right? Yeah, <laughs> okay. But here, here's the reality. Last week, we started this idea of moving into maturity, and oftentimes what we end up finding out is that as we're going into growth or as we're moving into this maturity mindset and, and, and beliefs and everything else, what, that there's times where we get stuck, we get stuck in our lives. We get stuck at a point where maybe the monotonous or the mundane or the, the rituals, the everyday things that go on in our life just be kind of, just, we just walk through it. And, and, and oftentimes, if we're real, if we really think about it, that's the way it even plays out in our spiritual life, right? We might read the Bible, we might go through the motions, but we're not really kind of living it out. You know, we, we come to church, but we just, we're just kind of going through the motions. And listen, here's what happens with the people of Israel, right? They're, they're delivered out of slavery in Exodus, right? In, in Egypt, they were, they were in, in slavery to Egypt. They're delivered out. They're, they're, they're told to go into the promised land. As a matter of fact, I'm going to reference a number of verses in like Numbers, the book of Numbers, then we're going to jump back into Joshua. But they're given this, this promise. And then God says this, I'm going to take you into this land. And as you go into this land, I will never leave you. I'm never going to forsake you. I'm going to be right there with you. I have given you this land. And yet the mundane and the ordinary, everyday consistent walk and belief in the faith of these individuals leads them to say, we'd rather go back. We'd rather go back to what we know. We'd rather stay stuck than walk in freedom. We'd rather stay trapped in the past in slavery to the Egyptians than walk in freedom. So we're going to unpack more of that today as we jump into this idea of what Joshua is talking about or what God is talking about to Joshua when we talk about moving forward with great courage. Every great movement of God takes people who are willing to walk in obedience and move forward with courage. There's not a single person in the Bible where I can sit back and go, that person did great things and they walked in fear. No, they had to walk in courage. There's always the aspect of fear, but there's always the reality of the courage that we can gain. Listen, last week we talked about getting unstuck in our spiritual life begins with loving God and walking in obedience to enjoy the life and blessings God has. We said this, that if you walk in disobedience, don't expect the blessings of God to be poured out on your life. It's never gonna happen. We don't see that anywhere in scripture. When we walk in obedience, then we set ourselves up to walk in in the blessings that God gives us. And see, here's what we're going to jump into today as we dig into this. See, the story of Joshua and Caleb reminds us, reminds us of what happens when we walk in disobedience. Because in the early part, what we just saw in Deuteronomy chapter 34, he said, Moses, listen, you're, I'm going to take you up to this mountain and you're going to look over into the promised land and you're going to see the promised land, but you're never going to go. And I want you to keep in mind that Moses was originally going to go, but he ends up not being able to go because he disobeys the Lord later. But of the original people, the only two, there were 12 spies sent into the land to look at it, to the land of Canaan, and two came back, and it was Caleb and Joshua. And they came back and said, hey, we're going to move forward with courage, 
Even though we see so many obstacles in front of us, we're going to move forward with courage because we know God said, I will give you the land. And so today I want you to remember this as we kind of jump into what we're going to look at. Here's the thing you have to remember. I want you to remember, if you remember anything else, I want you to remember this. That victory comes as I build my life on the promises of God, then I can accomplish what he has called called me to in life. Victory is only going to come in your life when, listen, when you build your life upon the promises of God. And the reason why I bring up this idea of the promise is because what we see in Numbers, what we see in Deuteronomy, and then the reminder in Joshua is this, that God promised his people he was going to give them the land. But here's the problem. The people said, that promise ain't good enough because we see everything in front of us that's an obstacle. I don't remember what it was, like seven, eight years ago, we got to go and run in, uh, what was it called? The Rugged Maniac, right? The Rugged Maniac was like a 3.1 mile course out in Weston, up at the ski area that was there. And the first obstacle you see, like you start the race and you run up the hill. Anybody been to Weston ski area? Okay, if you know what I'm talking about, maybe you skied down it. But we're in the middle of August, I think, July, August time frame, and the first obstacle you got is this, I don't know, I'm guessing like a 300, 400 foot climb up a hill in a race. And that's the first one, right? And then we get to all kinds of other obstacles along the way. And that, in reality, as you kind of play this out, was the idea that the Israelite people had as they're looking at what was to go on in the future. God says, I'm going to give you this land. And they look and they go, are you kidding me? Like, I know you said you're going to give it to us, but do you see what's in front of us? And that's oftentimes how we play this out in our lives is because we look and we say, God might be calling you to do a great thing. And then you look before you and you see an obstacle and you go, really, God? Is that really? Is it really? How am I supposed to deal with this? Or how do I get over this obstacle? How do I deal with this problem and this struggle? And I want us to all remember this, that victory comes when I build my life upon the promises of God. Because when I build my life upon the promises of God, I can rest on this, that he said, number one, I will never leave you nor forsake you. And number two, if it's a promise, he will see it through. All throughout scripture, we see promise after promise after promise that God makes with his people. And what we have to begin to do is to build our life upon those promises because he is faithful and true and just and will always provide. So listen, are you stuck? Are you tired of getting going in circles? Are you tired of wandering in the desert? Are you tired of being stuck and not experiencing the joy of Jesus or the strength and power of the spirit in your life? then my question would be is this, what are you doing to get unstuck? How are you building your life upon the promises of God? Because victory, I believe, comes only as I build my life upon the promises of God. So today, we're going to look at what it means to move forward with courage. What it means to move forward with courage, to accomplish the new things for God and, and for the cause of the Lord. And I, as we do that, I want to give you five things I believe we see here in this text for us to kind of remember, right? How do I move forward with great courage? Number one is this, that I have to remember that God is the provider. 
that God is the provider of all things. He's the giver of those things. Number one, he gives us the promise or he provides the promise to us, right? So he gives this promise to the people of Israel. Now, if you were to go back and look at this promise and play it out, we have to remember how it goes. In Joshua, or sorry, in the book of Numbers, Joshua was one of the 12 spies sent out. And these 12 spies are sent out into the land of Canaan the first time. And we remember that as he comes back, he and Caleb alone are the only ones who stood up and said, listen, we believe the promise of God. Yes, the obstacles are great, but look, the fruit is even greater. The prosperity and the blessing is even greater. And listen, inherent in every leadership opportunity, inherent in every call that God makes is a call to embrace this mentality or an idea of aloneness. A true leader will realize that leadership is lonely. And you want to know why? Because a lot of people want to go back. A lot of people go, well, I remember when, right? That's the, that's the adage of the church. You want to know why a lot of churches are dying? Because you remember the past. You remember the things that you think, oh, if we just went back and did that, things would go great. When the reality is that God is constantly moving. He never changes his word, but he's always going to move his people into new areas and in new spheres of influence. And so the reality is that we always build our lives upon the promises of God, and we don't think about the past. We learn from the past, and we move forward in the future because that's what God wants us to do. Listen to what he says. I will give you every place where you set your foot. And then he says it with this. As I promised Moses. So what he's saying to Joshua is, Joshua, listen to this. I made this promise. I don't go back on my promise. I'm not going to not fulfill my promise. I will always keep my promise I made with the people of Israel. I will always keep the promises I make to you to, as believers in my word, I will not go back on my promises. So God is the giver. He is the provider. He is the one who promises. He is the one who will provide in that way. He is the giver of all things. And when you think about it in light of where we're at, even in scripture, I want you to understand this, that God gave his son. God provided a way from slavery into the promised land through his son, Jesus Christ. God provided a way from death and sin into life and blessing as a result of Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection on the cross. Why? Because he is the giver. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. God is the provider and giver of all things. He promised the people in the Old Testament that he would provide a salvation in the future, the Messiah. And he, listen, he never went back on that promise. He provided it through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. So as the people are wanting to walk into or are going to move into this promised land, God says, listen, the only way you can move into the promised land is through Jesus. He is my blessing. He is my grace. He is the only way into salvation. He is the only way into the promised land. God is the provider of life through Jesus Christ. Jesus' death on the cross for the followers seemed like the end, but listen, that, that, that obstacle was their focus. 
oh my gosh, Jesus just died. That's a massive obstacle. But three days later, that obstacle was overcome because Jesus rose again. So number one, if I want to build my life upon the promises of God and, and experience the victory, I have to understand that God is the provider. Number two, I have to understand this, that God's promises must be pursued. When God makes a promise, I pursue it. I pursue after what's going on. If you have your Bibles, you can turn over to Numbers chapter 13. Numbers chapter 13, starting in verse 2. I've just referenced a little bit of this, and it says this. Some, or, or send some men to explore the land of Canaan, which I am giving to the Israelites. Now, here's the key statement. I am what? Giving. Yeah. Here's, here's what's crazy about it, right? God sends his son. He gives his son Jesus to pay for the the sins, even the sins that we don't want to acknowledge or we may not even know about. He pays the price for all of those sins. And, and, and listen, this is the idea of the giving nature of what takes place. So in, in Numbers chapter 13, he says, listen, I'm giving you this land, right? And then these 12 spies go into the land. As they go into the land, they come back and they give a report. And in verse 27, it says, they gave Moses this account. We went into the land to which you sent us, and it flows with milk and honey. In other words, there is very much prosperity there. It's got everything under the sun we could ever need. It's going to fulfill everything we ever need to meet every aspect of our life. It's going to provide food. It's going to provide water. It's going to provide abundance of blessing and living and everything. But, and it even says, here is its fruit, but the people, listen, listen to what it says in verse 28, but the people. How many times have I heard churches say this consistently? Yeah, we understand. There's great prosperity when we follow the promises of God, but the people, the people around us hate us. But the people, the people around us, they're, they're obstacles. They're not, they're not any good. They don't like church people. They don't like Jesus. They don't like, but the people. And what they began to look at was the obstacles that were in front of them. If God's promises are to be pursued, then we have to understand that when he makes the promise, he's going to see it through. See, when God makes a promise to his people, he never backs out of it. He's always going to deliver and so God's original promise was, I will give you the people, or I will give you this land. And now he comes in in verse chapter, or sorry, in, in Joshua 1, and he says in verse 3, I will give you every place where you set your foot as I promised Moses. So listen, what ends up happening is the people have taken their eyes off the promise of God, off the deliverance of God, they in reality have taken their eyes off God, and they've put their eyes on what's in front of them. Now, if we were all honest, every one of us, we could sit back and easily give example after example where we've taken our eyes off God and looked at the obstacle in front of us. God, there's no way. Like, I was there 10 years ago. Brian, I want you to go pastor this church. <laughs> uh-uh. Like, like my eyes were completely off God at that point because I'm sitting there going, there ain't no way you can do anything with 20 old people and a dude who has no relationship with anybody around there. And God was like, really? Really? Is that, is that really? 
you want me to show you? Like, do I need to put you in your place? And he did with my wife, because my wife was like, yeah, you're Jonah, dude. And it's like, well, wait, hold on a second here. Don't be using the Bible to correct me, right? You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> like, like, come on, lady. And she's like, you are. And if you're being Jonah, I, I want nothing to do with that. If you're going away from where God is leading you, you're looking to obstacles, then I want nothing to, I don't want to be any part of that. And I think it's important for us to keep in mind that when God promises us something, that we have to begin to pursue the promise, even when everybody else, even when all the other people say, man, you're crazy. No way, don't do that. Or when we look and go, well, everybody's going to hate me. They're not going to listen. They're not going to respond. They're not going to, that, that's a big obstacle. Those are big people. They got a lot of power. I don't have any power. God's promises must be pursued consistently when he gives it out. Listen, this idea of being stuck, usually we're stuck because we look at the obstacle in front of us. And listen, usually in order to walk in obedience to God, you have to understand that the obstacles are oftentimes the ways of obedience. That God says, you see an obstacle and I see an opportunity to deliver you see an obstacle and I see an opportunity to show you my power. You see an obstacle where you have no ability and that's great because that's exactly where God wants you so that you can understand that it's not by your might and your power and your ability and your authority and your wisdom, but it's only by his might and his power and his ability and his authority and his wisdom and his deliverance. Every time I face an obstacle when I'm walking in obedience and pursuing the promise that God has laid before his people is that opportunity for God to show off his power and his authority and not my ability. See, when we face the obstacles and go through the difficulties, we learn to trust the Lord in his provision. So when I say God's promises must be pursued, then that is the time where God will show his provision and his power, and we learn to trust him no matter what. <clears throat> See, God's promises must be pursued. And here's what's crazy as you look at Numbers chapter 14. It says this. <laughs> That night, all the people of the community raised their voices and they wept aloud. In other words, there had been a bad report stirred up. Ten of them said, no way, we're not going. We're going to be really small. We're going to look like grasshoppers in our own eyes. And these people are so powerful. And that night, as a result of those ten, not the two, but as a result of those ten, all the Israelites, listen, grumbled against Moses and Aaron, and the whole assembly said to them, if only we had died in Egypt or in the desert, why is the Lord bringing us to this land only to let us fall by the sword? Nothing's even happened yet, has it? The reason we oftentimes main, maintain being stuck, or we're, we're stuck usually, is because we think about what could happen. We think about the worst possibilities. We think about all of the difficulties and struggles we're going to go through instead of thinking about what God's promises were. If God makes a promise, he's going to see it through. But yet oftentimes what we do is we slam on the brakes, we get stuck in the mud all because, all because we look at in front of us and think, no way. Worst case scenario. This is going to be bad. There's no opportunity. There's no way. So listen, 
How do I walk in victory? How do I move forward with great courage? Number one, I have to remember that God is the provider and giver. Number two, I have to remember or pursue that God's promises must be pursued. I'm going to go after that. Number three, I want you to see this. In order to walk forward with courage, we always have to see this, that in every circumstance throughout Scripture, that God always raises up a leader. He always provides leaders. Leaders for every circumstance, every struggle, every difficulty. Leaders who are going to lead churches. Leaders who are going to lead people. Leaders who are going to lead the whole nation of Israel. God always raises up leaders to carry out his purpose. And hear me out when I say this. Because a lot of times people will sit in the pew and go, that's great, I'm not a leader. Yes, you are. You are a leader in some way, shape, or form in somebody else's lives, in other people's lives. You lead people when you lead them as a mother and father, you're leading your kids. Or as a grandparent, you're leading your kids and grandkids. You may be leading in work. You may be leading at at some nonprofit. You could be leading in, in some activity you're involved in. God raises up leaders for a purpose. And listen to what he says to Joshua, Joshua chapter one. He says, be strong and courageous because you will lead these people. God always raises up a leader. Matter of fact, I I started thinking about this, and we have to begin to kind of realize what what the Bible tells us. But listen, Noah, Noah was a great leader. And listen, here's here's something you can learn. As a leader, you do what is right, even if you are alone and ridiculed. Or think about Abraham. He was a leader who embraced the unknown and said, when God said, go, Abraham, I'm not telling you where to go, but you're just going to go. And Abraham went. Or Moses, a leader who defended and led the people into the future, right? He led them out of slavery and into a desert wandering because they decided to sin. David is a leader who stands up against evil and takes on giants. Daniel was a leader who obeyed God regardless of the consequences. And we can go all throughout. We can look at Paul and Peter. We can look at Jesus. We can look at the life of John. We can, I mean, we can go down the avenues of what we see in the Bible, but we can also look at our own lives and listen. In every way, shape, or form, God raises up leaders to lead the people into the future, to lead a people into prosperity, to lead a people into the bountiful land flowing with milk and honey, to lead the people to experience life. He always raises up leaders. But listen, here's what he says. As a leader, Joshua, you're going to have to be strong and courageous. Now, oftentimes we often look at that and go, oh yeah, this idea of strength, right? I got to be physically strong. Now, both of these played out with strong and courageous would be this idea that they were strong spiritually, that they knew exactly who they were, and they knew exactly who God is, and that they were going to follow God and be strong in the ways of the Lord. Lou Holtz said it this way, and I think it's something we begin to understand when we talk about this idea of raising up leaders. Oftentimes, we don't believe this, but life is 10% of what happens to you and 90% of how you respond. And I'll be honest, at times, my responses are terrible. See, I think about how many times people have turned down leadership opportunities because you only look at the obstacles in front of you. You remind yourself of your past. You forget of all the things that the God has done to provide for you, and yet you look back and you stay stuck 
I believe that leadership requires the ability to make tough decisions in difficult times, often taking a stand against opposition and looking at obstacles as opportunities. So listen, how do I move forward with courage? I move forward with courage realizing that God raises up leaders and he may be raising you up right now to say, hey, you need to lead your family better. You need to build your family upon the promises of God. You need to start taking ownership and responsibility of leading your, your spouse, your wife, your husband, th- to start pointing them in the right direction, to, to teach them, to follow them. As a, as, a, as a couple, you come together. And husbands, I'll be honest with you, it is your responsibility to lead the family. There's a raising up leader right there that you lead with love and grace, that you lay your life down just as Jesus laid his life down for his own followers, right? It's important that we begin to understand. God always raises up leaders. Number four, listen, God's word is the path of success. You know, this whole idea of getting stuck, I told you about getting stuck uh, a couple years ago in Alaska. I told you about the, 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 the Jeep in the, in the mud and things like that, but I've been stuck multiple times. I mean, I've been stuck in cars that you're like, there's no reason I should even be stuck. I remember we were down in Bolivar, Missouri. I had a little front-wheel drive Honda Accord. And we lived up, I mean, it wasn't even a big hill. It'd probably be like a hill right outside here going up to Santa Fe. But it had, it had iced, then it had snowed, and the snow had packed down. And I decided, I'm from Wyoming, I can get out and drive in this stuff. And I drove around town all fine until I tried to get back up to my apartment. And I got about halfway up the hill and just was like, you know what I'm talking about? I'm just spinning. So I'd back down the hill. I'd get up and I'd get to that half point. Just, I'm stuck. And honestly, there was no hope. I just stayed parked down the end of the hill <laughs> because it was just ice. I was like, I'm not going to put anybody behind me because I know the minute I lose control and we're going to have the same thing. I also remember we lived on the top of a hill in Springfield. And I decided one day I'm going to take my truck. I got a four-wheel drive truck. So I see they haven't plowed our streets, but they've plowed the main. So I drive up to the church. I do my stuff up to the church. I come back home, and I realize they still haven't plowed our streets yet. And I'm like, ah, it's no big deal. I'll go in the bottom, and I'm going to go up the hill to our house. Wrong, 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 wrong way to do it. Um, I got all the way up to the top of the hill. So our house is up on the top of the hill, and our neighbor's house is right here. And I literally hit, like, the edge of our property. And, my, and I'm in four-wheel drive the whole time. And my wheels start spinning. And I'm like, oh, no. Well, we're in a new neighborhood. And this whole other side of the road had no houses in it. So I'm like, got an idea. I'm going to throw this sucker in reverse. I'll gun it. I'm going to go over the curb. And I'll at least be in an empty lot. Not a brilliant idea. Because as I threw it in reverse, my truck went right back down the hill. And I mean, I couldn't, I'm on ice. And then I hit the curb on this side of the road where all the houses are. And they got mailboxes with brick. You know what I'm talking about, right? All of a sudden, my wheels start going all the way down the curb. And I'm leaving a black mark down the curb because my tires are rubbing all the way down hit the brick mailbox. I'm like, oh, crud. I'm like, what do I do? (laughs) So 
I went all the way down the bottom of the hill. I drove back out to the main road. I went up the hill that had been plowed. And I came in the road that was at the top of the hill to my house. But in the meantime, my taillights broke. I got a dent in the back of my truck. And I've just destroyed a mailbox because I was stuck. And a lot of times, listen, a lot of times that's exactly how it goes in life. I'm fine. I got this. I've seen the obstacle. But we don't rely upon the power of God. Instead, we rely on our own ability. And we get right to this point. And then all of a sudden we realize, oh, crud. This is not good. And where do we go? We go backwards. We go the opposite direction the way the Lord wanted. And that's exactly what happened with the people in Israel. They got to a point where they were like, yeah, we're good, we're good, we're good. We're following the Lord, we're following the Lord. And then all of a sudden, they see this obstacle in front of them and they stop and they look and all of a sudden their eyes were like, wait, we really see what's really going on here. We want to go back. And that's what happens in Numbers 14 because it says they take a vote to go back. And listen to what it says. It's the idea not just to go back to Egypt, they said, we'd rather go back to Egypt where we were slaves because at least we had some provision. Listen, keep this in mind. They didn't have squat. You read all through Exodus and the people were trash. They were treated like trash. They barely had anything to live on. Yeah, they had some food, but they were slaves and they were willing to go back to slavery rather than to go into, listen, bountiful blessing that the Lord was offering and said he would already give. Why? Because it's easier to go back to the sinful nature than it ever is to walk forward with obedience. It's easier, it looks easier to go back in that way because that's what I know than to walk into the hope that God provides, the hope in the future that he says he has for his people. See, God's word is the path to success and when I build upon that, that's the way I move. Be strong and very courageous in verse seven. Be careful to obey. Listen, he says this, to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Now, before you start going, oh, that, see, you're, you're asking him to obey the law. I want you to understand that Jesus comes in and says, listen, I know you can't fulfill the law. That's why I came to fulfill it. But it's important that we understand what it means to walk in obedience to Jesus, that we obey him in every circumstance, that we align our lives and our hearts with the truth of his word. Because he says this, do not turn from it to the right or to the left. And listen, I believe in today's culture and in today's mindset, we go like this. It's okay. It's just a little bit to the right. I'm just veering a little bit off the path of truth. I mean, you know, yeah, I'm going to take the Jesus stuff and I'm going to take your Bible, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to walk over here. And he says, do not veer from the right or to the left that you may be successful wherever you go. Listen, obedience leads to success, just like we talked about last week. Obedience leads to God's blessing. And then he says, do not let this book of law depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. And then, here's the other blessing again, then you will be prosperous and successful have I not commanded you? Listen, this is a command from the Lord. And when we understand this, in order to move forward with courage, that when I build my life upon God's word, that I realize that that is the path to success. That is the path to blessing. That is the path to prosperity. And so when I do that, then 
I will be prosperous and successful. Listen, wherever God guides, he always provides. And he does that, I believe, through his word. So no matter where you're at, you have to begin to ask this. God, what is the path to success based upon your word? God, how do I build my life upon your word? And then the last thing, in order to move forward with great courage that we see is in verse nine. He says, be strong and courageous. This is the third time he said it. We've preached on this before about this idea of being strong and courageous. But he says, do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged. How many of us walk around in fear and discouragement because we've looked at the past? How many of us walk around with fear and discouragement because we look toward the future and go, man, there's no way. He tells Joshua, be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified. In other words, don't walk in fear. Do not be discouraged by what everybody else says, but rather listen, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. That's the promise again played out. God said, I will give it to you and I will never leave you. And here is how it's playing out. God says, in the midst of you walking in obedience, when I've called you to do something great, I will never leave you nor forsake you. And that is exactly what Jesus says in the New Testament. I will never leave you nor forsake you. No matter what you walk through, no matter what you're dealing with, no matter the struggles you face, no matter the obstacles you have to overcome, I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. So how do I move forward with courage? I have to keep these things in mind because listen, victory comes as I build my life upon the promises of God. I will give you this land. Listen, we can learn from Joshua. We can learn the truth of what God wants to reveal to us here, but we have to begin to apply it as well. So my question would be is this, have you acknowledged God as the giver of life? Have you placed your faith and trust in Jesus because he is the one who provides the way? And maybe you've said, yes, I have done that. Great. That's an awesome opportunity. Now I'm going to ask you this. Do you build your life upon the promises of God? Are you building your life on God's promises? I believe that in what we see in today's text is this, that God speaks to us in multiple ways. Number one, are you saved? Number two, are you building your life upon his word daily? Number three, has God called you to step into leadership? Maybe first leadership in your house. But maybe it's in leadership of, of leading a group of people through a Bible study. Or maybe it's leadership in serving within the church. Maybe it's leadership in some way, shape, or form at work. I don't know what it is. But God may be calling you to lead because God raises up leaders to lead people. And so as we go through that, we identify all those things. What is God calling you to do today? It may be salvation for the first time. It may be walking in obedience and saying, I need to be baptized. It may be to, to, to make it public. It may be the simple fact to say, hey, I need to commit my life to growing in his word day in and day out. But in order to get unstuck, you're going to have to move forward with courage. And I'm not talking about your courage. I'm talking about the courage the Lord gives because it's built upon the promises of God. Father, we thank you. We thank you for your promises. We thank you for the hope. We thank you for the peace that you give even in the midst of difficulties. 
And God, maybe there's someone today here who would say, listen, this is, this is where I've struggled. That I know God wants to take me in a direction and right now all I can think about is the past. All I can think about is, 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 is what, I've, what I've faced, what I've dealt with, the difficulties and struggles and all I want to do is go back there. Listen, God wants to deliver you today into freedom, into a life of prosperity, into a life of hope, into a life that is built solely upon Jesus and Christ alone because he is the cornerstone. God, today we pray that you, were, you would change our hearts. That God, maybe there's someone today who would say, I, I'm, I'm being called to do something. And maybe they've been running. Maybe they've just kind of put it off. They've looked at the obstacles in front of them. They're not sure what the next step is. But God, may they build their life upon your promises. God, may we all be people who move forward with courage. Not in our own power, but by your power. Not in our own way, but by the way of truth. The word that you have given us, that we would build our life upon that. And Lord, would you multiply your work in our lives? And maybe as it's as we invite people to church or have a conversation with somebody about who you are, that may be the very thing that you're raising up, us up to do, is to lead people who don't know you. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.